Hello friends, today I'm glad to welcome Jabba Singh Menon, a marketer, a mother, a Buddhist practitioner, an executive coach, and a leadership facilitator on our podcast, The Gods of Life. Welcome, Jabba. Thank you, Vineet, for the generous introduction and for having me as your guest. I'm especially delighted to meet you in a completely different capacity and in a completely different context today. For our audience, should it suffice to say that Vineet and I have worked very closely for several years at a Bharti Group company. Tell us about the early days of your life, your schooling, your family, your education, friends, hobbies, and all these things that have shaped you, who you are as a person now. While that sounds like a lot of different things to focus, let me begin. I'm pretty much a small town girl, having spent the formative years of my life in Ranchi, a city not so well known before Dhoni came into our life. Life was different in many ways. My school, Loreto Convent, was about 15 kilometers away from home, which felt like going into another city every day. Left at 7 a.m. and got back at 5 p.m. We lived in a fairly self-contained campus of Central Institute of Psychiatry, where everyone felt like a part of an extended family. And we would look forward to going to each house on all festivals to eat, the best homemade snacks or specialities from different regions. Unlike my daughter, I climbed trees to pluck guava, lychee, jackfruit, mangoes. How I wish now that I had clicked a selfie for myself in those days. I played table tennis, badminton, kabaddi, kho-kho, pittu, carom, Cards, a couple of names are perhaps unfamiliar to many in this audience and of course cycled around flashing my independent card. Coming to my family, I grew up in a nuclear family. My father, who was exceptionally brilliant and excessively short-tempered, my mother, who was a homemaker, emotionally weak but very loving, and my brother, who was my first guide or mentor in my life and was five years older to be. In a typical Bengali family, there is usually no discrimination between a boy and a girl child. And strangely enough, the treatment meted out to wife is vastly in contrast to the treatment meted out to one's daughter. So I was fortunate to have had access to as many opportunities as my brother did. And there was a clear signal that I could get away with almost near murder as long as I performed in academics. Education was very much central to our identity. Nothing else mattered. I grew in a classless community in the sense that our households helped child staying in the outhouse within courts could very well be my best friend and my parents never saw anything amiss in it. Radio or transistor was a constant in our life and how we loved listening to Binaka Geetmala, which is again becoming very popular now, courtesy Caravan Music System. And yes, I was surrounded by books and magazines, starting with Newsweek, Time magazine, Reader's Digest, to a local Bengali magazine, Shuktara, which inspired us to learn Bengali at home. I have fond memories of listening to cricket commentary with my brother, 
the other big event in our life was traveling for holidays during most vacations of course within india those were primarily our window to the world there wasn't much sense of developing a particular hobby nor was there a scope for it since our campus that we stayed uh, was a little away from the main city and my father being a single bread earner i don't know whether he had the capacity to invest on our hobbies except for giving us the best possible opportunity for our academics as soon as i completed my icse that is class 10 i moved to delhi since my father got transferred but however what shaped me was largely my days in rachi when i look back what messages did i get from my early childhood and what beliefs did i form during those days to name some of them i think a i felt my family does not mean three other people that i had at home but everyone in my surrounding and that in turn meant being helpful and caring for all others beyond my immediate family i also sensed that i was being selfish when i looked after my own needs as a child it also got compounded since there was a parent child role reversal in my case i was good at listening and almost nurtured my mother since there was a clear power play in the house not sure whether you are familiar with the word emotional parentification which i came across only recently it means that i very much was actually the emotional crutch for my mother right from my childhood i could just go to any extent to please my mother and that was my life the third belief that i formed uh, formed was everything needs to be earned in life there is no free lunch the fourth work is worship and that message was again reinforced by my professional mentor so naturally you saw me doing work work and more work when you worked with me my identity was largely a function of my professional success and that was my passport to freedom and independence is what i had decided maybe when i was in class 2 or 3 and my value of continuous growth i lived this value as a mother as a child as a colleague and even as a good neighbor even today the other value was of autonomy i needed autonomy badly and i was also happy to give autonomy and however self aware i may be now of disadvantages of some of these traits i do believe that these beliefs are so hardwired in me even today to a very large extent and one aspiration that i had in my mind irrespective of how i articulated it even as a 3 year old perhaps stays with me with even more conviction conviction today that it is vital for every woman to be empowered to build a different happy compassionate world men just can't achieve it java with a career spanning over 3 decades i'm sure you've seen it all tell us about the life experiences and learnings that have had a deep and profound impact on your personality yes i agree that i have seen a fair bit 
and experienced multiple sectors in all its hues, I would like to focus today on just three different aspects. Irrespective of the sector, I'm hugely convinced about following humanistic management principles at work. I advocate these principles strongly by virtue of being on the advisory board of International Humanistic Management Network. What is it about actually? It is about how do you align social purpose and business success? It is about getting to realize and to actualize putting people first in every branch of management, be it marketing or legal or finance. And it is certainly not just about HR. When you put people first, you deliver much greater value to all stakeholders, including shareholders. And there is enough evidence to show business success and social value creation can go hand in hand. And it is really unfortunate, I feel, that even in the management institutes like Howard, it is yet to become a part of mainstream management education. And I wonder whether this phenomena in the 21st century is rooted in the fact that in all communities of practice that I'm a part of, the ratio of educationists or academics to practitioners is totally lopsided. The second thing that I want to draw uh, your attention to is that the support system I have found for people graduating to take more and more responsibilities as they grow in the management hierarchy is highly inadequate no matter which sector and no matter which organization. While we are aware of issues like burnout, stress-related illnesses, rising mental health issues, close to 800,000 people dying due to suicide every year, which means one person every 40 seconds, I'm quoting WHO data, we can only think of such issues as being individual problems. And so we believe that the answer lies in the self-help lists that are available on the internet. There are only a handful of organizations that I know of that are ready to confront this issue, provide systemic solutions, timely support through various means like having therapists on board, mentoring, leadership coaching, and so on. It's high time organizations recognize this responsibility and find not a band-aid band kind of solution, but a holistic solution to deal with this issue, which takes a toll not just on the employees, but their families too. The third issue in hand, inequity in the distribution of wealth generated by organizations. I'm not necessarily referring to the gender pay gap here because I'm a woman. No matter how much I may have also benefited from this phenomena, I cannot help but admit that there is enough and more merit in the narrative which draws our attention to the gap between the top management salaries and the average employee salaries. And that difference finds expression everywhere in our society, including the basics, access to healthcare, education, and so on. How do we find ways to disrupt the current compensation structure and implement it. How have these realizations or experiences impacted my personality? It has enabled me 
not to just question the current practices but now it allows me to manifest a part of my personality in my in the behaviors that i practice at work and in my personal life it has made me more sensitive and aware to observing social injustice workplace unethical behavior and influenced me to take responsibility for what i have the opportunity to do and what i stand for it has made me realize how important it is to provide a genuinely safe inclusive environment for everyone to grow individually and collectively in this so called digitally interconnected world how can pure but deep connections impact the happiness quotient of an individual it has further strengthened my interpersonal not social skills while having the option to pursue a far more lucrative career with the corporate world therefore i chose to address this issue of waste of human potential full time 3 years ago as you very well know in my current work for individuals i follow a sliding scale for my fee which is a product of gift culture which essentially means that you pay what you can genuinely afford that manifests two things my trust in people's value of integrity and most importantly it makes my services accessible to most who need it and not just to those who can afford it these are simple but few ways in which today having learned my lessons from my career spanning over 3 decades with different organizations i feel i can make a difference having worked with you in the past java i've seen you in multiple avatars as a marketing communications leader a practitioner of buddhism and now your journey into an executive coach i have also been lucky to see you performing as part of the choirs on the stage how do you manage these different avatars and what keeps you going in my mind i integrate every part including those that you have named like and the, those that you have not named like my newfound love for yoga i don't necessarily see them as separate blocks though those these individual parts may have stood in my life more prominently and more obviously at different points of time they are all interconnected let's let me explain how whether it is music or yoga or communication or marketing or spirituality there is one common thread learning to dance in the moment which is at the heart of coaching and facilitating which is what i have finally arrived at while my buddhist practice of 20 years is clearly my foundation other aspects come together to strengthen this foundation further my mission as i said earlier is to address the issue of waste of human potential and in order to do so i constantly need to work on myself each day to manifest my own potential If my cup is empty I obviously can't cont- contribute to others lives therefore my mission my strong need for stimulation from different sources and just perhaps my high energy levels allows me to be on the go and keeps me going that does not necessarily do 
that I do justice to all at all times. So make no mistake about that. What are the essential qualities a person should have to become an executive coach? Are there specific skills and certifications which are useful? I would think that every skill, personality trait and the process of executive coaching can be learned. And of course, it is useful to have a reference point in our own life to have experienced those skills. The most important part of the learning is to go grow ourselves, as I said earlier. How to get out of our own way to coach the other person. How to quickly catch ourselves when we are not fully present or when our advice monster is appearing very strongly in our headspace or when we are unable to meet the coaches where they are. Now, there is an organization like the International Coach Federation which lists certain competencies like meeting ethical guidelines, embodying coaching mindset, cultivating trust in relationship, establishing presence, listening actively, and like any other competency or skill, it is not just about acquiring knowledge about those skills, but how much do we practice these skills mindfully is what will make us a better coach. And regarding certifications, yes, they do help since it reflects certain uniform standards and builds our credentials. But having said that, none of these certifications really match up to the rigor of a professional qualification, let's say chartered accountancy or medicine. So certifications do provide a modality, some guidelines for the coaching practice, but it ends with that. In the world that we live in today, especially after COVID, Everyone has gone through some recalibration of what life means to them and their priorities. How does your role as an executive coach changes in times like these? Fortunately for me, my role has not really changed. And how do I play my role? Even that has not changed largely during COVID. Simply because a large part of my work was always online and that is how I have reached my clients in over 14 countries in the last three years and it continues to grow. Yes, my offline facilitation, my travel for work or holidays, that is of course on hold and I miss that. But other than traveling, I'm not sure whether I'm missing anything and I'm really, really grateful for being in that situation even during these times. Jabba, this podcast has its roots in music. What role has music played in your life, if any? Is there a song that is your favorite and you keep listening to it even today? Although I have never been professionally trained in music, music has been an integral part of my family. I have always lived with music thrived with music and it infuses a certain energy and life force within me. Both my parents were into music and encouraged and influenced our taste in music from a very early age. Uh, to give you an example, my father, now 87, has still very recently sang on public functions on stage. And one of the songs that I remember listening to while I was growing up and still plays in my mind when I am too confused or too perplexed is this song Ke Sara Sara Whatever will be, will be Ke Sara Sara What will be, will be 
What is your message to the listeners of this podcast? Three things that you'd want to say to people to remain hopeful and how to navigate these times successfully. I would like to offer a three-edge formula for people to stay hopeful. And that three-edge formula would be about being helpful, being heartful and being humane. Helpful because when we contribute to others' life, our own self-worth grows exponentially no matter what the circumstances. Heartful since we are prone to be in our mind all the time. Feeling, listening consciously with our heart inculcates both compassion and gratitude and that gives rise to hope. Third, humane. However easy or natural it may seem, it takes effort to be humane to self and to others. Respect self and others. A large part of being humane, I think, is to share our judgments about everyone and everything. That could be the start point, perhaps, since we won't judge these times as turbulent times, which you have mentioned in the question, since whatever we focus on always grows. Thank you once again, Jabba, for being a guest on this podcast. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Vineet, for giving me this opportunity. It actually made me pause, reflect and answer. And of course, it was my privilege and honor to be with you during this time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast, Chords of Life. I'm your host, Vineet Tandon, India's one and only musical motivational speaker. If you have any questions or suggestions, do feel free to write back to me on my email ID, askask at the rate winnytandon.com. See you again.